So I saw this movie. It was about this bus whose speed couldn't drop below 55 miles an hour. <laughs> and if its speed dropped below 55, it would blow up. I think it was called The, the bus, bus That, that Couldn't, couldn't slow, slow Down. down. everybody to Random Encounter, the official RPG fan podcast. I am your host, Robert Steinman, coming up for air from StarCraft 2, and we're not going to talk about it at all during this podcast, I promise, because it's not an RPG. Uh, again, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today, we have... This is John McCarroll, webmaster. Um, I am also <laughs> taking a break from StarCraft 2, but, you know, we have RPGs to talk about, sort of, I guess. This is uh, Keeper X on the boards. You're now webmaster? Oh, I have so many titles. You don't know. God, I hate. I, I want a new one every time you come. Yeah, on I, every time you should have a new title. I want like Grand Wizard eventually. <laughs> the PR manager is going to get us in trouble. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm Zach Pinchik, uh, super flat on the boards, news person and RSS maker. When it comes out soon, soon guys. Yeah, yeah, you've just been working on that for how long? The, the one we have works. It just needs to not suck. There's oh, okay. One. Okay, there we go. And last but not least. Oh, sorry. I was playing StarCraft. No. <laughs> <laughs> I am Stephen Myrink. I am a contributing preview editor slash sort of soundtrack person, too. Um, and I am Taylor's on the boards. You want a piece of me, boy? Okay, we're done. Me, boy. We're done. We're prom- we promise we're done with StarCraft 2. So yeah, let's burn. Let's yeah, burn. <laughs> so today we got a lot of RPGs to talk about. Uh, John's coming racked with a uh, nice topic on random encounters and how much we hate them, which is kind of appropriate for the name of the show. And then, as always, Zach is going to wrap us up with a shorter news segment this week than last week, and I will promise not to make as many comments. So we need games to talk about, and I, I got a hankering for some spankering. So somebody talk about Death Spank. All right, I guess I'll take care of that. So Death's Bank, the review on the website's already gone live. Uh, John Tucker gave it a 90 and gave it an editor's choice award, and I agree completely. Um, here's the thing. A lot of people have been complaining. Oh, my God, Death's Bank's only got 90 quests or how many quests it's got. <laughs> Holy shit. And it's only, like, 12 hours long. Okay, I l- love it. It's funny, and it kept my attention the entire time. I look at so many of these uh, these hack and slash titles. You get like Space Siege, and you get like Greed Black Border, which I'm not going to review for the site, even though I got a copy of it because it's horrible. Um, but you look <laughs> at all these these PC games, and like they keep my interest for like five hours, and I never play them again. And I was just incredibly happy with Zespank because it was consistently funny, and even though the gameplay was mash button for weapon, it was. It was engaging, and that was the most important thing. Plus, Death Bank reminded me of the Tick, and that was the most important thing. Oh wow, he oh, so reminded wow. me of the Tick. See, I really need to play this game, but my PlayStation Three is still broken. Like, I'm finally gonna send it in next week, so I can't play it. But now, if I if I understand correctly, this is basically a Diablo clone. So you're like yeah. going around, smashing a lot of stuff, gaining levels, and performing quests. Correct? Yeah, it it it's 
standard hack and slash RPG. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to point out that one of the first quests involves you killing chickens to get their lips. And they address that chickens don't have lips, but then you just move on and capture chicken lips. Yeah, it's, it seems like the who did the writing for the game again? Do we know? Uh, I don't know who did the writing. Ron Gilbert was the creative director. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, and so it, it has that it, – it's a game that's funny, and I think that uh, comedy in gaming is just so hard to do because, again, the joke needs to last normally about eight or nine hours instead of like two hours or an hour. So is it funny? Is it consistently funny? Or is it one of those things where like you start out funny and then eventually you like want to scratch out your eyes? No, it's consistently funny because the game is relatively short. And when I say relatively short, I mean, if you do everything, it's going to take 12 hours. Um, it, it's consistently funny. It's like it's because you spend a uh, half to three quarters of that time um, pounding enemies into the ground. It's it really is just like having a two hour block of comedy in there. It's not it's it's not. Like you're trying to look, you look at, uh, at one of my favorite games, Baldur's Gate 2, and which, by the way, Baldur's Gate 2 appears on my top 10 list for our upcoming feature. Oh, what a surprise. Uh, um, and you look at a character like Minsk, and Minsk is pretty funny throughout both Baldur's Gate 1 and Baldur's Gate 2, and I love him. He's a great character, but he gets kind of old. Deathbank actually is kind of like Minsk, but because he only has about two hours worth of total dialogue, it doesn't get old. I think if Deathbank were the length that a lot of people have been complaining about, you know, oh, this should be like Diablo, it would not be funny anymore. But it's mm-hmm. it it's the perfect length, and there's the perfect amount of comedy there. Yeah, and it's only a $20 title, right? 2015? 15. 15. Yeah, see, like, I'm okay with tiny little bite-sized games. Like, I, I actually would like to see a little bit more of that. Not episodic, but just tinier games. Because, you know, as you get older, you have less time to play these games. And sometimes when you're met with, like, something that's a 60-hour RPG, it's kind of like... Uh, oh, I might finish this in a couple of months. Yeah, oh, I just got Persona 3. I will finish this in March. Okay, <laughs> Though, to be fair, like, I, I feel the exact same way. I, they're, like, Resonance of Fate, which I was supposed to review for the website, I could not get myself into the game. Like, I would look at it and be like, I know I'm nowhere close to finishing this, and I know I'm nowhere close to being even close to my next story. I'm going to have to do random encounters for the next two hours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it just frustrates the hell out of me. Persona 3, though, I actually was able to, to like, with a portable version, you know, you play it on the can. <laughs> I still have not so done good. that with my DS. I still have not done that with my DS. I almost refuse to. You're missing out on what the DS's whole purpose is. Yeah, but I'm afraid I'm going to drop it in there. Dude. I think I think your toilet's kind of messed up then. Yeah, yeah it must okay. be a really big toilet. Well, doesn't everybody have a trough that they just kind of go to? <laughs> That's a urinal, dude. Our oh. Not... Yeah, oh. yeah. Oh. See, I was living in Columbia for a really long time, so South Carolina, not not like Columbia, South America, like Columbia, South Carolina. And if you've been down there, you kind of know what I'm talking about. So. Okay, and oh, I've been down there. I'm... Okay, we're done here. We're done. We're done. Uh, John, I have a question actually about yeah. the. Have you tried any of the the girlfriend mode, quote unquote, multiplayer? Uh, no, actually, that was on Kimberly and I's plan for the weekend to uh, to play some of that. Um, I, I wish I had more information. I think it's just kind of second players there. Yeah, because I mean that's I've I've heard um like that that's one of the the weaker parts of the game. And granted, you know it's not the main you know draw, so you can't really, uh, you know you can't really fault them for that. But 
from what I've heard, the you know, like the character progression, you know, is is non-existent on the on your guest character side. So I'm I'm interested to hear what you. And, what, you know, I I I don't I don't foresee me having a problem with that because in a, in a game like that, I think having single console multiplayer, which is what it has, it doesn't actually have online co-op. Right. Um, oh, okay. Because okay. you you would have two people accessing the menus, I think it would kill any and all uh, flow to the game. So mm-hmm. I've got no problem with the second player not having uh, kind of any kind of progression. I mean, honestly, um, I, I've played probably about four hours of the game, and I just left auto equip me with the best stuff because it, it's not a game that I think I'm going to worry about twinking in because there there's no point. You know, I, I'm there to play the game to have fun. Well, and also with these loot whoring games, like you got to be real careful because some games you almost get too many drops. Like uh, I think Diablo and, and Blizzard really just hits this awesome, you know, this rate of just the drops come at nice intervals and you're not constantly fiddling with menus. When I played through Torchlight, I actually started to get a little annoyed because there were so many drops and there was so much a comparison between stats. I felt like I was spending more time in the menus than killing stuff. That's a really like I agree with that completely because. I wanted to like every game that's tried to be Diablo since Diablo 2, and none of them can because there's a lot of components that make those games awesome and addictive. But Torchlight, I felt like I had crap in my inventory half the time, and, you know, you get it, and it's like, oh, this is one damage point higher, but it's also got an elemental effect, but it doesn't appear to do anything, and... Yeah, it's you got to be real careful with because these games are all about flow. It's all about getting in and getting satisfaction, whether it be through character progression or through loot. And if any of those things go wrong, you can actually start to get really annoyed with it, and it takes away from the experience. So now, does Death Spank? You were saying, John, the Death Spank, like you were you were making it so that you're constantly getting the best equipment equipped onto you all the time. Does that take away from the loot whoring aspect, or are you more focused on the skill based aspect of the game? Honestly, I for that kind of game, for the way that Death Spank is set up, I am happy to just go and beat things up and see the next funny line. Okay, like, so so it's the narrative and the comedy that's driving the gameplay forward. Yeah, for I mean, for me, like I I I played MMOs for a long, long time. I'm and sorry. There's no re- <laughs> whatever. So um, I. I am very used to having to twink. You know, I played World of Warcraft and I was a rogue. So I was like, okay, I need 428 hit rating to be 100% hit against an NPC. Okay. No, I don't care about that. Like, that was. Throw the more thing dots. Out. Throw more dots. Uh, I absolutely hated it. Um, and so I'm happy not to do that in Death's Bank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you're having a good time with Death's Bank, so. You know, without further ado, maybe we should move on to uh, some some other games. If, unless you got anything else, any other final comment you got on it, John? Um, if you don't own Death's Bank and you have a PlayStation 3 or an Xbox 360 and you're listening to this podcast, you have done something wrong. Mm-hmm. It's on uh, PC as well, right? I don't think so. Is it? Oh, no? I, I no. thought it was. I might be mistaken. I didn't see it on Steam, but maybe I just missed it, you know, and all the StarCraft blood yeah, in the I, water. I, I don't know. I don't believe there's a PC version of Death's Bank yet. I just forgot about StarCraft. No more talking about it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It doesn't exist right now. All right, uh, let's move on to Steve, because you got uh, some... uh, You you said to us during the pre-show warm-up that you are a confessed Dragon Quest hater. Yes, I have played Dragon Quest, uh, the second one that came out on DS, uh, Hand of the Heavenly Bride. That's five, right? Yeah. I think. 
It's five. Yeah, five. I got to the end. I don't want to have any spoilers for people who haven't played it, but I got to the end of like the first section of the game, like the first part of your character's story, I guess. And uh, I just got incredibly bored. I was like, everything is so whimsical here, and I hate this guy's music, and I can't stand Akira Toriyama's art design. And uh, hey, hey, hey. I just feel like I'm playing as Goku and, you know, the usual things people take, you know, uh, people don't like about his art style. But uh, it just it felt like the game had no sense of like weight. And I guess maybe it's because I grew up playing, you know, Fantasy Star and Final Fantasy where everything is really melodramatic. And uh, I guess I just got so bored. And then I played eight and I enjoyed the combat in eight. But I got that whole sense of, oh, let's just wander around and do random crap. That bad that bad genie man is bad. But, hey, let's go wander around a little bit. And that, and I thought Yangus was the stupidest looking character I've ever seen in my life, and I couldn't stand having him in my party. But he was so funny. The game had so much charm. Do you hate I fun? I do like fun, which is why in Dragon Quest Nine, I went, I think I went in not expecting to think it was like Final Fantasy X, because, you know, Square Enix, you know, they merged, and they're like, oh, this is Enix's Final Fantasy. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. It sounds awesome. And then I was like, oh, well, not really. But, but you can your, your characters that look like Goku, they can power up, and you can yell over nine thousand. <laughs> I like so, Dragon Ball Z. I don't care what anybody says. I'm a 25 year old man that loves Dragon Ball Z. Screw everybody. <laughs> so, don't judge me. I watched like 200 episodes of Naruto and Bleach. I'm no more innocent. <laughs> but so, um. So I popped nine in. I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. Everyone says it's great. And I, what I really loved is that I don't know who had the idea to make a turn, a multiplayer turn-based game, but I want to give them like a crown because that is honestly what got me to play the game. I go, I can, you know, just the way you, you know, I guess you get into fights and then, you know, people can run up and join the fight and it's still turn-based and everyone customizes their character. And I think I went in not expecting it to be this epic, you know, Final Fantasy 13 level of melodrama and, you know, it's just kind of charming, and I love the writing, like, and I think that was something that was even in 8, is just the really clever writing, like, everything is so, like, humorously worded, like, uh, one of the bad guys in the first area is called, like, a super twooper. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I kind of laughed, and then, like, the evil cucumber, I was like, oh, the cruel cumber, that's funny, the first bad guy is a cucumber. Yeah, I was showing and, each, I was showing each one to my girlfriend, and just, like, the magician, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, the magician, I'm like, ah, that's funny, and so, and I've honestly spent the last three hours in the game running around outside uh, Stornway, the town where you get access to quests and stuff, I guess. And uh, I've just been leveling up and trying to get money to buy stuff to make my characters look cool. And I'm like, this is awesome. It's 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 like a to me, it's almost like a turn based Diablo without as much loot whoring. And OK, I, but, but, but I'm wait. into the ch I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. Now I got a question. I'm into that, like, charm now. Like, I'm like, all right, now I can kind of get it. You know, this world is kind of cool, and, you know, now I feel like I'm just kind of adventuring around, helping people, and, you know, being a hero, and I, I'm down with this. But now, how much of the game have you played? You said you just got to Stormway, so you're only, like, maybe five, six hours in, right? Oh, I have, like, 12, because I've been wandering around. Okay. Uh, See, the, I was fine with the game for about the first, like, 25 hours, and then the grind really started to set in. It does get really grind-heavy, and if you're cool with that, that's great. But, like, the amount of money that you get really slows down to a trickle. The level-ups, like, you won't level up for, like, an hour in the game, and it just... The, the last few areas became very trying for me. I was really with the game until about hour 25, and then I started to get annoyed. 
I think what might help is that I'm probably going to play most of it multiplayer because my girlfriend just got it for her DS and then one of my buddies got it. So I think because like in Diablo, Diablo is a grind. That's all it is. And I'm glad we're talking about Diablo because it's kind of like Starcraft because it's made by Blizzard. But, you know, (laughs) but anyway, so um, Diablo for me is the absolute pinnacle other than maybe Fantasy Star Online of hack and slash games. Yeah, same here. I feel like, you know, that game was a grind constantly, but it was awesome. And I think if I play Dragon Quest with other people, uh, you know, with a party like that, I may not mind the grind as much because at that point we're all just kind of leveling up and getting stronger and having a good time. Yeah, I mean, you're getting the best part of Dragon Quest Nine, which is the multiplayer, and I missed out on that because I don't really have any friends that game around me. I don't really have any friends that have a DS. So I was playing it strictly single player, and it didn't hold up as well. I said it last week. I think that it is in that same Diablo or Fantasy Star vein of being multiplayer focused, but I do think that the single player experience isn't up to the Diablo par. Like Diablo 1 and Diablo 2, I can play those single player and have a lot of fun. It's infinitely better with multiplayer, but I do think Dragon Quest Nine is a much better multiplayer game than single player game. I have gotten the vibe from it that the main story is like completely, I, I mean, I'm not that far, but it seems like all right, yeah, you're an angel. Okay, now you're down there. Go do stuff. And I feel like basically it's going to be do random crap for the entire game and then bring the benevolence back up to the tree and then eventually a bad guy will appear. Yeah, yeah that's about right. That's about. I mean, it, it has some twists and turns here and there, but nothing too major. And just warning you, the last boss is insanely cheap. I'm just throwing that one out there. I, I would like to note that I would much rather have, okay, here we go, collect this. Okay, there's a bad guy. Then... Um, and I'm not going to say what game this is for, but it came out several years ago. I'm sure most people recognize it. Then a plot twist on the second disc that is, holy crap, we're all just characters in this giant simulation. Uh, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. It's probably for the best. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'll deal with it. I'm, I'm catching up on all my RPGs that I missed out on, so I'll probably play it. Okay. Let's just say that game's part. That game, the plot twist itself, is what stopped me from playing. But I was already hating the combat. Uh, I just got so sick of it um, right. that well, the, the plot you know, twist the, made me want to put the game down. The, the game came out years ago, so. Okay, well, we're talking about. Can we say this really? Is this okay? Yeah. I feel like it's yeah. probably. It's like Statue saying Labels the last one. Yeah. Okay. Um, Star Ocean, Star Ocean 3. 3. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard of that. Okay, okay. And the thing is, I w- the, the combat in that game, and my friends always argue with me that they, the combat was great. And I liked it at first, but I got just little bits and pieces of it started driving me insane. Like the fact that your character would swish the air so slowly with heavy attacks and enemies could hit you on the ground, but you couldn't hit them on the ground. And all right, I'll, you know, I'll get into a hate fest, but I was getting really frustrated. And then that part right before the end of disc one where the story seems like it's finally getting awesome. I was like, this is going to be crazy cool. You know, you're like at the end of the universe and there are these angels everywhere. And then all of a sudden it's like, derp, never mind. Nothing's important and you're totally irrelevant. Not only that, it was so, it, I hated that plot twist so much that it ruined the previous two Star Ocean stories because they're like, oh yeah, those weren't, those are pointless too. Worst Star Ocean ever. <laughs> no, the worst Star Ocean ever was Blue blue Sphere for the gameplay color. Ooh. Well, let's get us back on track here, guys, so we don't go too long. I don't mean to cut anybody off, but uh, so overall, you're liking Dragon Quest Nine, Steve? I am. I would say that even if you don't like previous Dragon Quest games, it is worth giving a shot if you like Diablo-style games or you just like games where you can wander around and just kind of explore and find loot and you know get stronger. Yeah, I mean, it's a game that you can play for hours and hours and hours. I guess it just... 
I was missing out on a portion because I wasn't playing single player, and, and the grind got to me. I think that a turn-based Diablo-style game is maybe a little bit less appealing to me than a just straight-up hack-and-slash. So, And then you got another game to talk about us briefly, uh, Steve, don't you? Yes, Gushing Love Fest for Arc Rise Fantasia. Everybody go buy it and support it so that way they'll make a sequel. Um, the localization, and I feel like I might make the entire internet community think, you know, hate me because I'm sure somebody out there likes the voice acting. Um, but no. the voice acting is embarrassingly bad, and I don't care. And yes, I'm going to show my, I'm going to be opinionated here. I'll go on the boards and say it. The voice acting is terrible. If you like it, you have bad taste. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. It's just. Dude, the last time I said something like that, I got in trouble. I, yeah, I, I'll, I apologize for saying that if I offended anybody. But the voice acting in that game is disgustingly bad. It is the worst voice acting I've heard since the first Resident Evil. And Resident Evil got away with it because there were zombies. <laughs> as this isn't Chris's blood. As the Chris's blood. Person, I'm going to tell you it's okay to say that that game has bad voice acting. Thank you. But I'm not allowed but, to hate on Final Fantasy 13. I see how. But, <laughs> I see how it is. Okay. All right. I see where our checks are going to. No, no, no. Have you played Arcrise Fantasia? I have not. Uh, okay. Dude, I, I want to turn it on now and let you hear. No, just, no, that's okay. I'll just turn on Starcraft. We'll spare no, the no, okay, okay. You know what? <laughs> I, I want to just put it this way. Go ahead. I, I want to be a bit cyclical here. The last game that had a character, a single character, that had voice acting as bad as the voice acting in Archive Fantasia was Star, Star Ocean 3. Star 3 with Farlene. <laughs> yes. Oh, now that and takes I'm glad we're on the same page there. Okay. I, there is a character in Archive Fantasia called Nico, and he, I saw him and I was like, oh, cool, he uses a gun, he's got red hair, I'm going to use him. And he's very cool, and honest to God, I took him out of my party, and I usually won't do that because his voice is so stupid. He's like, why? I sh or hope I don't get sh shot. Oh, <laughs> well, oh, man, who needs a bullet in the face? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what the? honestly, and I, I don't want people to think I don't like the game because I think it's an awesome game. It's an old school turn based RPG with tons of different abilities in battle, tons of customization. There's all kinds of random esoteric systems that if you like, you know, the PlayStation Final Fantasies or PlayStation era turn-based RPGs, you'll love the game because that's exactly what it is. And it's a complete blast. The combat is fun. Um, I just got to, I guess, the first major boss because it plays different music. And even though he's totally irrelevant to the story, um, he smoked me like three times. And it's the first time I've died in the entire game. And from what I've heard on the boards, the boss fights are actually very challenging and they really demand you know, some strategy. And... I think if you just like old school turn-based RPGs, anime style, then it's totally worth buying. So there's there's no Japanese voice acting that we could pretend is is good. There is not. However, you can silence the voice acting, but and I did that at first, but the problem is that the characters' mouths still move in battle and there's no talking <laughs> at all. So it's almost like like they'll hit and it's like this creepy, eerie echoing <laughs> silence. And you're like, that's weird. And then it zooms into the character and their mouth is moving, and I'm like, what? Is there anything lower? And then I turn it on, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I turned it up. Never mind. I changed my mind. Is there anything lower on this remote than mute? <laughs> the uh. music, uh, I even mentioned in my preview, the music is awesome. Um, it's Yasunori Mitsuda and a few other composers um, that I'm not as familiar with. But uh, all the music is great. The battle themes are great. And, um, you know, it's got a really detailed world map, you know, uh, little side quests you can do to run around, you know, kill stuff. And, um it's just, if you like, it's basically, somebody I remember described it as a Tales game with a turn-based battle system, and that's pretty much what it is, only it's not quite as glitchy as some of the more recent, or I guess, 
not Vesperia, but like Tales of the Abyss, my favorite Tales, was pretty glitchy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what's the platform for this again? It's on the Wii, and um, uh. it is budget-priced because I think they didn't spend any money in the localization. There are How, budget? How budget is budget? It is $39.99. That's not budget. Back in my day, games used to cost $39.99. What are you talking about? Like Super Nintendo and Genesis games were expensive. Chrono Trigger was, I got, I got Chrono Chrono Trigger was ninety dollars. Chrono Cross was forty. Fantasy Star Four was like a hundred when it came out. Yeah, that's true. I played that on the Sega Channel. I got lucky. Oh, that was the Sega Channel. Sega Channel. Dude, my uncle had the Sega Channel. I used to be like, this thing is awesome. There's like seventy games on it. Did you used to stay up like all night? That when I would, when, I just be yeah. like, what's this game? Oh, it's terrible. What's this one? Oh, it's terrible. What's this one? I remember playing the Immortal, and I think it scarred me for life. I was like, oh, my God, there's blood. Dude, is that like the it. game where you start out with the potion, yep. and if you drink it, you die? Yep. Oh, I was, <laughs> I, like, last year, I actually went onto the Sega board, and I was like, what is this game? You start with a potion, and it had really weird combat. They're like, oh, it's the Immortal, and I went and played it, and I got halfway through it, and I was like, this game's terrible. Uh, that game's <laughs> awesome, because you die. like all. It's like uh, Dragon's Lair, only not fun. Yeah. I love going back and playing all those Genesis games that you loved as a kid and realizing this game is horrible. Oh, yeah. Hey, Gunstar Heroes still holds up. And you know what? That, that actually has one of my favorite Castlevanias. I think Castlevania Bloodlines is a very underrated Castlevania on the Genesis. That's an underrated Castlevania. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting off topic here. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Anything else? Go ahead. Go ahead, John. No, I, was, I was going to take you over your duties as host. And and say we're done with our cries unless you have anything else to add. Oh geez, thanks. Uh, so so John, you want to add a podcast host to your list of repertoire? I see how this Look, is. No no no, he's here. already added it. In fact, he's I, adding it now. A two, I've, John. I've got like six or seven more weeks of titles that I've held, so we're good for right now. I hate you so much. I hate you. Okay. I've worked for the website for eight years now. What do you I mean? have worked for the website for three months, and look what I started—a podcast. Booyah. Grandma. Booyah. Okay, all right. Zach was playing Mass Effect 2. I was. I played Mass Effect. <laughs> it's it's not an episode without without uh, talk about Mass Effect. If we talk about Mass Effect again, somebody is literally going to punch us. So, John, can you tell Bioware to send the check directly to my house, yeah, please? Yeah. Can we start collecting royalties on this? Um, Bioware should love us. Yeah, yeah. So, uh... So is Mass Effect 2 still good, Zach? It's it's still pretty good. Well, this is the first I, I put it I picked it up, you know, like when it came out in January twenty sixth or whatever. And I put it down like let's say the end of February, just like with, with let's say five loyalty missions to go and like the ending. Uh and so I haven't played it in six months, you know, like close to six months now. So it's uh it's almost like I'm rediscovering it and I I think I really left some of the worst loyalty missions for last, so it's kind of disappointing in that respect, but I mean, it's still good, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's the the loyalty missions just start to grade on you a little bit because that's the meat of the game, and I, I think that's where they kind of screwed up a little bit. But I mean, like I was playing like Jacob's loyalty mission; he's worthless. I was I played Thane's Thane loyalty mission, and that was less exciting than I hoped it would be. But the, at least that one was doing something different. At it was that, that one. Yeah, that one wasn't. We're going into an installation and we're going to shoot aliens in the face. That was we're going to watch people shoot each other in the face. But still, it was it was slightly different, and I liked yeah. that. And and another Thane, thing. Oh, sorry. Go for it. I was say I thought Thane, Thane's mission was really cool. Like you had that good cop bad cop thing going on. That yeah, so actually, cool. I I really enjoyed that. I was like. <laughs> that, that's kind of cool but i unfortunately i had 
was thinking like, oh, I'll let Thane be good cop just because. But I'm, I'm a Paragon character, and that really didn't work out in my favor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then the the other thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way was when I left the game, you know, like let's say five six months ago. The reason that I left it was because I kind of uh, screwed up my character a little bit, and um, and so like I have just a really crappy submachine gun and a really crappy sniper rifle, and I couldn't really kill anything in no, close so quarters combat. But download download some of the free DLC and mm. do those missions, and that will help you out, and you'll get extra weapons. Yeah. Okay. Also, yeah. download the arc projector. That gun is amazing. It is. I the think best I have I have a couple of. It's nice to have the DLC because. Like, you know, if you um, from what I've heard, if you play it after the game, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And I'm really I'm tempted to to just get all of it right now. Maybe not some of the weapon stuff, but like just like the Kasumi's uh, thing and, and maybe the, the Overlord thing, just because, you know, I like get right now playing, you know, like I have the Firewalker mission, um, which, you know, like wouldn't have been in an original playthrough if you'd if you'd gone through the game in like the first two weeks or so, uh, which it's interesting, you know, like. That's that's one thing that I really commend Bioware for is they've really kept their you know kept their promise on uh, Mass Effect Two and Dragon Age DLC. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, the last mission of Mass Effect Two is actually very excellent. I think the suicide mission is very well developed and and actually hits an emotional chord. You know, outside of the little contra bit at the end, that was kind of silly, and you'll you'll see what happens when you get there, Zach. But you know, I I just wish the rest of the game was like that because instead of it is just a lot of going into installations with chest high walls and shooting people, which is fine because the mechanics work very very well and they do throw some nice things in there to keep the combat interesting but i just it felt safe and it felt a little bit safer than what i was expecting for mass effect 2 so maybe that was in response to people like me who didn't like mass effect 1 but i i think i think mass effect 2 is a much safer game in that respect mm. yeah that's that's something i was also thinking uh, about how the the different stats worked in the first game while i was playing through it today um you know, it's just I, rem I remember liking, you know, having electronics and having, you know, decryption or whatever, you know, whatever those older stats were actually mean something for your party. Because I was sitting at the at the character select screen today and I was like, well, who am I going to bring on this mission? You know, like I have to bring the, you know, the person whose loyalty mission it is. And, and then I was really left without any direction to choose one of the other 10 characters that I had. It's it's something that I'm kind of hoping that you know they'll take the the criticism back you know into account and bring some more of those RPG elements back into the third game you know just because it it really does stray too much on the lines of uh, third person shooter with RPG elements. Yeah, it's it's still a good game, but I think oh definitely it, it's going to be interesting to see what Mass Effect Three does and see if they go even further down the shooting elements or or where they go. So. Is that all we got to talk about Mass Effect 2? I feel like we're talking about the same game as every week, and I'm getting a little uh, tired of it. So I mean, I mean, StarCraft's an RPG, right? Right, right. We need to talk about something new. So I played Dragon Age. Uh, this the week. Queen of Blades. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Stop. And Tara doing executor. No, no, stop it. Uh, I was playing uh, through the Dragon Age Awakening expansion, and I actually finished it about three hours before StarCraft II came out. I felt like I was doing homework more than anything else. I gotta get it done. I gotta get it done. Um, the Dragon Age Awakening uh, expansion pack is—it's decent. Um, it, it does add—it it picks up exactly where the Dragon Age main quest get, leaves off, despite 
the ending and people will know what I'm talking about there. It doesn't matter how Dragon Age ended. You just kind of start back up and you get a whole new list of skills and a whole new set of quests. It's about 10 to 15 hours depending on how fast you go and how much time you spend uh, doing the side quests. Uh, There's lots and lots of new skills for the, the three character classes. The mage is still insanely overpowered and even more so now like the the new mage skills basically make him a god uh but the warrior and rogue have been increased a lot so that now they're not completely useless uh i take that back the rogue was never completely useless but the warrior was except for soaking up damage but those two character classes have come up a little bit but the only thing that really bothered me about the expansion uh two things one the original price tag was 40 bucks and 40 bucks for 10 to 15 hours of content when the main game was 50 bucks on PC and it was like 60 hours that kind of stung and so I actually picked the game up on Steam sale so I could justify it a little bit the other thing was that once again the game just kind of ends very similarly to uh, Dragon Age where it just kind of there's lots of choices to be made and it feels like there's going to be like some huge ramification and then it just kind of ends and you get text saying what happened. And that really irked me. It, it irked me at the end of Dragon Age, but the ending was still solid enough that I could justify it. But Dragon Age Awakening pulls it one step further. And just when things are getting interesting, you know, we, we've joked before that um, Dragon Age, you're basically fighting, you know, the orcs from Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry, they're dark spawn, but they're orcs. Let's be honest. But it, it doesn't really – you don't find out exactly what they are until you start playing Awakening. So it's really cool to find out a little bit more about the dark spawn, and then the game just kind of ends. So I'll be interested to see if Dragon Age 2 picks up where Awakening and Origins left off or if it's just going to pick up where Origins left off. I, I feel like I'm the only one talking. Did anybody else play Awakening, or am I the only one? No, but I, I find it disappointing that that you say that it really doesn't matter how you finish Dragon Age 2. That really ticked me off. Cause well, because, like, I, the, the last Bioware game with an expansion, I didn't play a whole lot on Neverwinter Nights, so I don't know how that, that played out. But um, Baldur's Gate 2, like, the expansion pack was really part the of... The end of the game. game. Yeah, it was like... The, it really was an extension. It wasn't a, oh, here's more content. And I think that's what I want an expansion pack. And I actually, as, as you're looking at this, I'm looking at my copy of Dragon Age Awakening, which I, I've played like two hours of the original Dragon Age. Um, so I need to play a lot of it. Um, and, and it's just really disappointing to hear that because I, uh, you know, I, I like Bioware's games. Yeah, it, yeah it, I think... Go ahead, also, go, ahead. I, go ahead, Steve. I think... Yeah, especially RPG expansions should be like Throne of All from uh, Baldur's Gate 2 or in this, or Lord of Destruction from Diablo. Um, that was Act 5 of Diablo. It was the end of the story that got started in Diablo 2. Throne of All, the expansion to Baldur's Gate 2, um, literally the game is chapters 1 through 9, and then Throne of Ball is chapters 10, 11, and 12. Mm-hmm. And it finishes the story that started in, Throne of, in uh, the original Baldur's Gate. And it kind of sucks that it seems like with Dragon Age, they just kind of were like, oh, yeah, by the way, here's some more stuff. It'd be like if there's like two lines of dialogue. Sorry, not trying to cut you off, but there's like two lines of dialogue that link the end of Origins to like all the huge decisions that you make at the lands meet at the end at the end of Origins, which I loved with the beginning of Awakening. And then you're done. And it's just like, now go do your mission. 
And what sucks is this that like there was more connection between Baldur's Gate one uh, Tales of the Sword Coast and Baldur's Gate two. Then it seems like you're saying there is between Dragon Age and Dragon Age expansion pack. Yeah, and I, I think the Dragon and, and uh, Steve brought up the Lord of Destruction expansion pack with which for Diablo two, which I think is the best expansion pack ever made for a game. Without a doubt, because it didn't just add uh, an ending to the game; it added two new character classes and a ton of new stuff that you could do, like a ton like, of new, uh, uh, the runes system and you know all these all these new things, and so it was content being added to the original game not just an ending and the things that they did to make the warrior and rogue so much better in in awakening that should be applied to the original dragon age and i think it would fix up most of my problems with the balancing issues in dragon age and now you wouldn't have mages that are so insanely godlike powerful and that maybe would cut down on some of the frustration with the game which I, I do want to to say one thing about what you just said. Um, the best expansion pack ever is going to be whatever they called the the first next StarCraft two. Heart of the Swarm. Yes. Heart of the Swarm. Heart the of best the... one ever. I'm sorry. Is going to be Legacy of the Void. I'm sorry, Zerg all the way, baby. Zerg all the way. Oh god, we're going to piss so many people off with this podcast, guys. <laughs> and Taro Tassadar. Oh god, we live for the swarm. Okay, we're done. We're done. We're done. So any other questions you guys got for me with Awakening? No. 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 Okay, all right. Uh, John, start ranting about random encounters. Okay, so um, people are going to hate this because I'm going to talk about why random encounters exist. I actually didn't read. We have a thread on our forums that one of our editors started about random encounters and how Who's they don't Who's eating candy? Ooh, good idea. <laughs> Zach, I am doing no such thing. Uh huh. Um. I, anyway, I want to talk about random encounters now, uh, because people are like, "Oh my God, random encounters! Why are there random encounters in games now?" Well, I okay. Let Let's take a look at Dragon Quest, the original Dragon Quest. Some of you may know it as Dragon Warrior because of, of copyright issues in North America. So, you look at this game, and you are on essentially what is a square grid, and you move from square to square. There's really only two ways to take care of encounters there. And that is, you can see your enemies there, and they move when you move. And that's actually very common in games. They're called roguelikes. Any game like NetHack or Sheer and the Wonder has it like that, where you can see your enemies and they move when you move. The only other way to do it is calculate. Okay, you move from one square to the next. Calculate. Okay, is there an enemy there? Yes, no. That's where random encounters come from. And technology in that era, that's how it had to be for a turn-based game. What about Zelda 2? Zelda 2 is not turn-based. But Zelda 2 didn't have random encounters. You could see the enemies on... You're on a grid, and you're walking around, and you had enemies... On, I'm not trying to be you know, a dick. I'm just saying, like... No, and, and I'm Zelda saying, two like, Zelda 2 is pretty similar to a roguelike in that sense. Well, you okay. could actually stop, okay. and the enemies would still move around, but... If you, you could see the enemies on the map, but you 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 look at games now like uh, the Persona titles, some of the more recent Tales titles, where there's interaction on the map, um, and you're able to to stop the enemies beforehand. You're able to see them. You're able to escape. Um, and in some sense, Zelda Two did have that, where you can run away from those enemies. But a lot of the times, it's futile. You know, you might be able to see that enemy, but you might just have to fight him a lot of the time. Um, 
And I think, but from a technological perspective, uh, it was very easy to do random encounters because it was easier to display no sprites and just have it calculate every square than to display sprites, have them run around. And I think that some of that just simply stuck. Like you look at modern games, and I think Persona, the more recent Personas, Personas 3 and 4, do it incredibly well where you can see an enemy. There's going to be some situations where you're going to have to fight that enemy, but you have interaction with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the recent Tales games do it well. Um, Dark Rise Fantasia also does it. Yeah. Dra- so, Dragon Quest Nine, you can see the enemies on screen. I wish that you could actually hit them like in Persona 3 to make it a little bit of a different startup. I think I would have liked that more. And I think that that is the evolution in a turn-based RPG. I think that that's exactly what it is, and and somewhat that's akin to a roguelike or to a Zelda, to Zelda suit, where you can see your enemies and you choose whether or not you want to interact with them. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, sorry, good. Oh no, I was I was just gonna say this is this is uh, when you say a uh, turn-based RPG. Uh, whenever I think about random encounters or this sort of thing, I always think about an Eastern-style RPG because with a Western-style RPG like say Mass Effect or Dragon Age, each one of the combat scenarios is planned out. You're basically walking down a hallway, <laughs> Final Fantasy 13, and the combat scenarios are already planned out, and so you're just interacting with them. So so you're more talking about Eastern-style. Uh, traditional turn-based RPGs when you're talking about this. Because you look at most modern Western RPGs, and there's really not a whole lot of, of okay, here, let's travel around. There's going to be enemy encounters. Um, you, you look at, uh, let's take Fallout 3. Fallout 3 has what you consider to be random encounters. You have enemies that just kind of pop up in the wasteland, mm-hmm. and you shoot them. And it really, really, there aren't that many turn-based western rpgs that have random encounters anymore you're looking at 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 uh, you know you dragon age is turn-based in some sense and uh but mass effect's not turn-based um most of these new western rpgs are hybrid titles because that's what appeals to the western market um but even the random encounters in fallout one and two where you're going from place one to place two on the map and it puts you oh my god there's a rad scorpion you can just run away, and you're back on the world map. Oh my right. God, there's a red scorpion. <laughs> Happens to me every day when I'm walking home from work. As, as I grew up in the desert, um, there are red scorpions everywhere. Like real red scorpions? Yeah, they're like giant, and they kill you, and I hit like four. And you can take bottles. their tails and barter them for like ten bottle caps? Yes, that's exactly right. I hate both right. of you. I despise both of you. But I, I think that, that when people complain, I don't get why people complain about random encounters today. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah, because like, here's the thing. Most games now, if if they have random encounters, that's because they're not holding your hand and doing what Western RPGs do and, may, and saying, okay, encounter's going to be here, encounter's going to be here, encounter's going to be here. I honestly think that what Mass Effect 2 does is brilliant because it gives you experience at the end of the mission. You can you can grind, you can go kill every single enemy in a level, and it doesn't matter because you're just going to level up at the end of the mission anyway. See, I, I think Persona 3 and Persona 4 completely spoiled me to the uh, JRPG because those are perfect in my view. Like, there are 
that you see the enemies on screen. You can interact with them. It gives you advantages when you go into the actual battle screen. And I love that. And when I couldn't do that in Dragon Quest IX, like I could see the enemies on screen and I could avoid them. But when I couldn't interact with them on screen, I was like, well, what's the point? Like the only point for having them on screen is that now I can avoid them most of the time. Sometimes they'll chase after me. But why does it matter if I see them on screen? You know, you could have just made them random and it would have been slightly more annoying. What annoys me is high random encounter rates where, you know, you take two steps and you get into a battle. Or when you're just trying to explore, like say you're really not trying to grind, like maybe the enemies are, are, aren't giving enough experience to where you would actually gain a level in a reasonable amount of time. You just want to explore. You want to find new items in Tartarus or whatever in Persona 3. Then you want to avoid the random encounters because you get into them and they're, they don't really give you anything and they're kind of boring. You know, so. Yeah. I well, actually, I, I kind oh. of agree with that. Um, I don't mind random encounters so much, but um, when you say, you know, you know, trying to explore, there's a dungeon in that game Black Sizzle that came out, I think it was like two years ago. Oh. Um, I, I like that game. Um, I didn't think it was bad at all. And even when people are complaining about the high encounter rate, I'm like, well, the combat's pretty fun. It's kind of time consuming. There's a dungeon. I believe it was called the House of Blackstone or something along those lines. And it was like a 50 million zillion hour dungeon made far worse by the fact that it literally was the longest dungeon up to that point in the game by a huge margin. And every like three steps, you got into a fight. And the fights in that game take a good minute, minute and a half to finish just because at that point you don't have a ton of area of effect attacks and you have to take each guy out individually. And that, I think, is probably the most annoyed I've ever been with random encounters. And Black Sigil had a pretty slow battle system, too, which yeah. didn't help things at all. Which I, I would like to note, um, any game developers out there listening to you, if, if you are making a turn-based RPG, for the love of God, do what the Shin Megami Tensei do, games do, and let me hit a button and, my, and, and shorten all the animations and just have my guys attack. That is the yes. most useful button in any game ever. Yeah, I, I do hate it when random encounters go too long, be it the podcast <laughs> or be it an actual battle. And I think Dragon Quest IX, like the fact that the battles do start getting kind of long toward the end and they never get any shorter, it, it really started to annoy me. And Persona's battles are just like quick, quick, you know, in and out real quick. But there's lots of strategy and you can really screw up really fast. So Wild Arms like, 3 had that problem, too, where the battles just took forever. Yeah, the battles have to be short. And then uh, and then Western RPGs, having these scripted battles isn't always a good thing. Like, the, the, there's one battle in uh, in Dragon Age. Like, I've played the game, I think, three, three times the whole way through. And every time this one battle gets me, because, like, you're fighting a bunch of skeletons or whatever, and then a door swings open and in walks a mage, and you have two seconds before that mage fireballs your whole party. And if he hits you with that fireball it's so powerful it probably will kill you and he always gets me because like i need to position my guys just right to kill him so sometimes by having these scripted battles you actually make the game kind of less fun it it's it's sort of the argument that i that i made um a while back when i was talking to a friend about open world games Open world games have to be as easy as possible because if you screw up in them, you have to repeat so much ground and you may drive for like five minutes to get back to the mission start area or you're going to see the exact same things over and over again. You have to make sure that it's challenging but that if you die, they change it up somehow because I always know that that wizard is going to come through the door in Dragon Age. So that first time you got me, it's like, ho, 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 game. You're, you're so clever and you beat me. 
because I didn't see it coming. Well, guess what? Now I'm just going to play it again, and I got him. But that that exact reason is – this is an MMO, but that's why a, I, I, I hate APB. APB is awful. Yeah, it is. You, you do a mission, and it's like, oh, I just died. You do a mission. Oh, that guy still shot me again. Like, I, oh, I – I, uh, I, Yeah, I mean, Dr- Dragon Age started to feel like a Rainbow Six game. Where, like, in Rainbow Six, it'd be like, okay, I tag this guy, this guy, and this guy in the room. You go in, you take all them out, and then some guy that you didn't see with a shotgun blows your brains out. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, now I know where he is, and I'm going to get him next time. Uh, that just, that kind of gameplay really drives me nuts, and that really started to drive me up a wall in Dragon Age. I think Mass Effect 2 did a much better job of making the battles feel more dynamic so that I didn't run into too many problems with that. Yeah. No, I, I agree completely. Like, I... There, there's a point where scripting a battle to that sense or to that that uh, that amount just really doesn't make it fun anymore. Yeah, there, there was one mission. I know it, is, it isn't an RPG, but I think it's appropriate for the discussion. There was one mission in Grand Theft Auto 4. It was this huge elaborate chase scene, and I ended up failing on it two or three times. And every time I reloaded it, you would notice that the chase scene, the exact same things would happen at the exact same points, like a tractor trailer with, like, jackknife or something, or a car would flip and explode. And at that point, I was like, oh, so Grand Theft Auto is no longer an open-world game. Like, that used to be the appeal of Grand Theft Auto 3, and Vice City was like, these missions, anything could happen. No, now they're scripting the missions. It's going to happen the same way every time. This is kind of not what we want, you know? Does that make sense? Hey, Nico, you want to play darts? Ugh. Hey, Nico, you want to go on date? <laughs> hey, Nico, you want to get pizza? In, in all seriousness, guys, again, not an RPG. Chinatown Wars was the most fun I'd had with a Grand Theft Auto game since Vice City. It honestly was. It, it, it has its problems here and there, but that was a return to the fun Grand Theft Auto games. Just a little. It's because it didn't have Roman Bellic in it. That's true. Hey, Nico, you want to go see some things that would be expletive deleted? Yes. All right, all right, all right. So are we done talking about random encounters? Are we, are we ready? I, I think, okay, so just I, I, want, I want to wrap it up. Being okay, communi- okay. I'm going to poke, poke Zach with a stick and get him ready for news. So you're I'm, I'm alive. I'm awake. Don't, don't. He's working on his tech trees. <laughs> the, uh, the, the one thing that I'd actually like to maybe discuss at a later point, because it doesn't have to do specifically with the randomness of encounters is just encounters in general. And I mean, that's, that's a very broad topic. And I had like one of those fleeting moments of inspiration, like earlier in the week when I was, when I was playing, I think it was, I played Alan Wake, which uses encounters to, you know, it's not an RPG, uses encounters to kind of heighten this sense of horror. And then I played, um, I think it was when I was playing Mass Effect 2 today and maybe uh, another more traditional turn-based RPG during the week, which I just can't remember what I was playing. Um, but it's just the the notion of, you know, like, why why am I doing this action, which may or may not be, you know, so interesting. Like, for example, you know, like you guys were talking about Dragon Quest Nine. It's not exactly, a, you know, it's not a hugely challenging game. And, you know, having the, the, the roteness of the battles... You know, especially it gets later into the game. I mean, that may be something to talk about at a later date, but you know, especially since I don't have any other thoughts on the matter. Okay, right okay. no, market is a future topic. Would you rather have a 
15 hour game that has that's action would you rather have mass effect 2 or would you rather have dragon quest 9 that's a perfect topic for for future yeah i'd rather have mass effect 2 honestly i'd rather so. have commander shepherd <laughs> you had the well, female commander shepherd right you, you realize I that, that you 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 <laughs> could you could name um your character in dragon quest 9 shepherd and i could make him bald ah, but then he would look like krillin but he can't use a gun. Oh, but he would anyway, be like Krillin and go is down. Is there any high-tech armor in Dragon Quest Nine? I want to, like, paint N7 on there and just run around uh, being like, I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite inn in Stornway. Uh, God, I hate so, it. I hate everyone. So, random Encounters, just, it's, it, there are games like Black Sigil, which came up, that still do Random Encounters. I don't know why. There are games that do it well enough for Eastern-style RPGs. You look at Persona 3, you look at Persona 4, you look at Archives Fantasia, you look at the Tales games. That's what a random encounter should be now, and I don't know why other games don't do that. Yeah, I mean, Chrono Trigger did it way back in, what, 95? Come on yeah. now. Yeah, come on. Okay, so now, Zach, you've been quiet like a like a slumbering beast ready to feast on the news. It's, it's like mostly because of, Templar. I've, <laughs> I've had to put my <laughs> microphone on mute a couple of times just because of the dogs, so... Yay, but news. I'm working on your tech treats, don't Dogs worry. or Zerglings? Yeah, Zerglings. Both? <laughs> I am the Queen of Blades. I'm kind of like upset that Kerrigan no longer looks like a Rastafarian okay, okay. hooker. <laughs> we need what? more pylons. I mean news. We need news, 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 news. Construct additional pylons. Uh, okay, first news of the day. The Shining Aubrey? Force. No. Oh. Shining Force is on your iPhone and or iPod Touch. I think that's cool. awesome. That's it's also $3. Which wow. one is it? Which one is it? The, the original original. from the oh, Genesis. Wow. 1993 Shining Force. I played that uh, on Sega Channel. <laughs> Shining Force 2 was the first RPG other than Fantasy Star 4, I think, that I ever played. And I played it for like a like – like as a kid, it felt like I played it for like four years. And I think it was probably not that long. But that game was awesome. Yeah. I have a question so, for you, Zach, yeah. Zach, and you may or may not have the answer to this. Um, is it a port of the original game, or is it the Resurrection of the Dark Dragon remake? Does it have all the card crap? I I Was Dark Dragon the Game Boy Advance one? Yeah. yeah. Okay, no, it is the original 1993 Shining oh, that's Force. Awesome. That's so uh, awesome. So, so what, how, much, how much was that, since we were talking about the you know, cost of games? How much was that when it came out? Because $3 now. $11 billion. Yeah. Oh, the, so, the the original Genesis yeah, the original, version. Yeah. How much? How much um, was that? It was like fifty dollars, I think. Fifty or sixty. Well, back yeah. in '93, we used to trade in mules, so it's about three mules. <laughs> All right. So, Shining Force now can be yours on iOS uh, devices um, for three dollars. That's awesome. Trace, trace dollars, if you will. That is awesome, actually. I I love that kind of stuff. I mean. Just the ability to play these old games on new media, I mean, that's that's just great. And Shining Force was such a great game. And that, that was one of my first RPGs. You know, I, I cut my teeth on Fantasy Star 4 as well. So that's I, cool. Did you like Domingo? Didn't make it that far. Didn't really? Because uh, Sega Channel kept on, like, changing every month. And oh, I, that's right. I remember you had to, like, beat it before the save. Yeah. I, sometimes you just randomly lose your saves. Like, I, I got pretty far in that game one time, and then I ended up, like, losing everything. I, I think that Sega has kind of backdoored themselves into creating when they whenever they remake these games for whatever platform, they've backdoored themselves into a minuscule price point, which I don't think is a bad thing, like for the 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 uh, consumer, um, because you can buy Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection for nineteen ninety nine. 
Yeah. And it's like 60 games, isn't it, or something? Yeah. You, can get, yeah. you can get Comic Zone. I love I that I love game. that game. I love that game. That little rat, that thing was cool. I mean, that what this oh, really here. kind of points at... <laughs> What what this brings to mind for me is is also you know now that now that Sega is getting into the iPhone RPG space, I'm interested to see how that develops because I mean Square Enix has had uh, a pretty strong presence, whether it's you know quality stuff like the, you know the the soon to arrive uh, Final Fantasy Tactics or you know I'm sorry uh, what on the iPhone you didn't know isn't isn't I... Final Fantasy Tactics coming out on the Am I, I, is, it I don't the iPhone, is it the iPhone or the iPad? I thought it was the... It, it, it's one of the... I think if it comes out for one, yeah. it works on all of them, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends, yeah. unless it's specifically made for the iPad. But, I mean, semantics War, aside... E3, they had they had Final Fantasy, War of the Lions, and uh, uh, Secret of Mana. Wow. On the, on the iPhone. Yeah, on the iPhone. Yeah. Okay, I so I mean... actually start supporting the Evil Empire. You see, exactly. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how that develops the, you know, Apple devices, you know, in general as a gaming platform, because, you know, like Shining Force, uh, Secret of Mana, T- Final Fantasy Tactics are three very, like, hardcore very games. games. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, not only hardcore, but well-loved in, indeed. And, like, to to have those games be present on a device that I always have in my pocket, you know. Thank but you to know. have that available, it's I'm I'm really interested to see, like, in the odd, in the tremendously off chance that Nintendo decides to, or even you know, like some a smaller company decides to start throwing their games up on there, you know, it's it's gonna change the the way the the handheld space. I mean, it's already changed in a large way, but see, and I'll go yeah. one I'll go one step further with these re-releases. Like when Mega Man Nine came out, I was really hoping that we were gonna see a revival of putting together small development teams to give us sequels or new versions of old games. Like, you know, why not? A new Sonic. No, 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 no. I'm saying take like 20 guys and make a new Vagrant story. Take a couple of guys and go work on a new Gunstar Heroes or something like that. Do the games that people want to play. Like, how many how many people do you think it would take to make a isometric, old school, just like the PS1 Resident Evil game today? That people would actually it, just charge a couple of bucks for it, and people would play it. Like you can I, make these kind of retro, new age games, and I think they would sell. I mean, Mega Man Nine sold well. I, I love there, Mega Man Nine. I think there's a huge difference between making a 2D game and a 3D game. Um, there, there's art drawbacks for both, but it's significantly less expensive to do. Well, and, I mean, Okay. An 8-bit art game, like, but, but like I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going for from pure numbers aspect. No, that's true. But like Chris and Joe are made up of like 20 polygons each in the original Resident Evil. But like, you, you see what I'm saying? Just you can really do something unique where it's kind of like a retro game, but it's new. And I was really thinking that Capcom was gonna, you know, strike really hard with this. I, you know, uh, Koji Igarashi has been making all of these uh, Castlevania clones of Symphony of the Night, basically on DS and game boy advance for years like i was expecting to start seeing something like this wouldn't we all pay for like an old school ps1 metal gear game like would we pay yes. for that today yeah hell yeah we would so like i i, I paid for Archives fantasia there you go so, i do want to make a note you say that you wanted a sequel to um gunstar heroes it was called super gunstar heroes it came out for the game boy advance that didn't happen 
It was okay. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. My beloved treasure has never made a bad game. I remember playing Alien Soldier on my Sega channel. This is like the Sega Channel podcast. This is the Blizzard Sega Channel podcast today. Blizzard? Blizzard made Star... <laughs> Taro Tassadar. Ah, jeez. Oh, God. More news. More news. More news. Uh, EverQuest 2 goes free to play with EverQuest 2 Extended. It's still here? Yeah, um... I mean, it's... Dude, not, it's no, no, no. I'm not, no, I'm not trying to be funny. Is it, Are the servers still up? Still yeah, it's going. still pretty popular. Hey, EverQuest wow. 2... Would last time I talked to my guys at SOE, they had uh, the pretty st- pretty strong subscriber base for it. Like, you, it it's still a high profile game. It's not World of Warcraft, but nothing is World of Warcraft. Yeah, World World of Warcraft is on a whole another level. But I remember I, I had a couple friends who played EverQuest two in college, and they they were kind of EverQuest two haters. They they played the original game a lot, and they didn't like the sequel, and they ended up moving on to World of Warcraft for that very reason. Most people who played the first EverQuest didn't like EverQuest 2. Yeah, they, it wasn't their cup of tea. What, what, I heard the argument that they dumbed it down, you know, whatever that means to an MMO player. Was that the main complaint? Does anybody it's, know? It's a lot more accessible. Um, I played the original EverQuest when I was like 12, and it was completely beyond me. I got to like level 10, and I was like, how does this game work? I don't understand. And my friends and I played EverQuest 2 when it first came out for a little while, and then we jumped ship to WoW. And then uh, last year, my two friends and I, we played EverQuest 2, and it, it's definitely a lot more accessible. Um, perhaps in some ways people might not like than the original EverQuest. It's just a little bit faster. It's a lot more forgiving, it seems like. I mean, if you've played WoW, then you have a fairly good approximation. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but uh, it's very similar. You know, so now that so yeah, so I mean the the details on this. Um, unlike Lord of the Rings Online, which announced that they were going free to play at the beginning of I think June, um, what it's it's actually very similar. Um, EverQuest Two Extended is, is basically a in the same manner that Lord of the Rings Online is going free to play. They have ver- uh, tiered subscription models. So there's a a free subscription. Uh, which is, you know, there's limits on your on the amount of bag slots, gold, uh, use of high-level items, spells, uh, races, classes, stuff like that. Um, and then there's a $10 upgrade, which gets you, uh, I think, more of everything. Um, and that's and then a one-time $10 fee, one-time right? One-time $10 fee. Uh, and then there's a $15 a month subscription, uh, which gets you, you know, every or pretty much everything that you want except for the uh there you still only have uh four races and eight classes which you can buy more of um and then there's a 200 dollars a year yearly subscription which Whoa. gets you the newest expansion so that's i mean if you think 15 dollars a month is uh a little bit more expensive on a yearly uh scale so if you're going to play this thing um you know on if you're guaranteed you're going to play for a year, then that's probably the way to do it. Uh, so the, the, oh, good. I'm sorry. sorry. So, the the one thing to note is that EverQuest 2 Extended and EverQuest 2, what's going on now, are two different games. Okay. And that's that's really where the confused. big difference yeah, is that's, between Lord of the Rings Online and EverQuest 2. Basically, think of it as they're all on different servers. Like, it's completely yeah. separate from the current it's, EverQuest 2. See, that's and, what doesn't make sense to me. Why Why would someone pay $15 a month to have a limited access to EverQuest 2 as opposed to paying 
fifteen dollars a month to play EverQuest two. Well, the the one big addition to the game, you know, aside from you know being free to play and whatnot, is the is a larger in-game store because right now they have um, real money trade for non-stat items, so like all cosmetic items, uh, and it's fairly limited. I, I don't remember what the name of uh, SOE's services, but EverQuest two, yeah, EverQuest two extended is going to have a full in-game store, much like the one Lord of the Rings Online announced where you can buy potions, weapons, armor, uh, I don't know, houses, the, the races, uh, probably hats, uh, the races and expansion packs and classes uh, will you, you will have to buy uh, through there. So, you know, it's basically, uh, if I recall, when they first brought out, you know, when they first decided to introduce real money trade stuff into, you know, like officially into EverQuest 2, there was a big community uh, outrage against it. And so this is, you know, like this separation of extended versus regular EverQuest 2 is to keep that item store kind of cordoned off into, you know. See, and that's what we did. They did the same thing with with RMT and EverQuest 2, though. Like, if you wanted to do RMT and, uh, and auction stuff, you had to be on an exchange server. And I think what they did with with SOE Exchange was perfect. It worked from a player perspective. It worked from a Sony perspective. It worked for everybody involved. This one does, still doesn't make sense to me, though. I mean, it's it's. I, I honestly, it doesn't make sense to me either. Other than it seems like, I guess you could say, okay, this month I want to have the fifteen dollars subscription, but next month I may not want to. But I don't want to go over to regular EverQuest servers. I want to you know, keep my free subscription occasionally. Like if you want, you know, this month to have the extra bag slots or something. Yeah. But I even mean, then just buy regular EverQuest. Yeah. Well, for, I mean, the, the, I guess the big goal is to keep that item store separate. Um, and it's also, they're, they're going to have a, a streaming client that you can just like, you download uh, however many Meg thing uh, that I think if I read it correctly, runs through your web browser, but Adam, not like it might be a, a quake live sort of uh, plugin. Um, but, or, you know, like battlefield hero sort of thing. But yeah, so it's a very small download. Um, and it's, it's basically, they're, they're trying to get as many new and casual players as they can in because, you know, like it, it is in essence, a, a free to play with microtransactions model, you know? So like that money is that they're going to get from people who, you know, like as you know, I said that I would probably play Lord of the Rings online when it goes free to play. And I'll probably end up throwing them a couple bucks for things that, you know, like I'd rather that I'd want in my game. And I feel like they're going for that same market is for the people who would throw them a couple bucks if they, you know, like if let's say a new race is two dollars, I, you know, I might be if I wanted to play as the frog people, I might do that. But now um, I'm I'm confused. I'm I'm confused here, honestly. Like I want to okay. go I want to go back a couple steps. Yep. They they're saying that this is free to play, but yep. you pay two hundred bucks. You have the you could pay two hundred dollars to play this game. Mm-hmm. Why two hundred for a year? Um, How can they say it's free then? I, I missed something here. Because well, the game not... by itself is free, but the idea oh, okay, but yeah, the subscription like the subscription is free. Yeah, well, the you, there is a free subscription. Um, here, let me. I'll read you the. Uh, I don't want to spend like, too much time on this, yeah. but just real quick, because I got really confused. It, so, it, it works like a standard microtransaction game, essentially. There's okay. some, 
that have subscription models where you can pay X dollars a month and get access to premium content. Like how like that worked out so well for Hellgate London. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. Good Um, luck. Yeah, I mean the subscription gets you all the all the character classes. Okay. um, Okay. Unlimited gold, you know, not to use but to earn. Um (laughs) and then and then uh, if you give me five dollars, I will let you earn money. I will gladly pay. Well, you there's, I mean, for if you if you have the the free the free you know like subscription, um, you, you only, only get five, like five five gold, gold per level, yeah. which is really not that much. Um, and then it you know you get you can make guilds. There's a whole lot of stuff. There's a quote unquote membership matrix, uh, which will show you all of the yeah. It'll show you all of the the different kind of limitations per subscription level. So I won't go into that uh, that much. There's a link on the news story on RPG Fan, or if you just go to everquest2.com, uh, then you can kind of find it from there. So, All right. Wait, we got, we got wait. To, we're, we're starting to run long here. Ah. So okay. I don't mean to uh, cut you guys off, but maybe wait. one more news story, and then we got to wrap it up. Ooh, I'll, I'll jump. I'll do uh, three quickly. So Dragon Age DLC coming in August, now with more golems. Um, it's supposed to be harder, uh, than standard Dragon Age stuff, I guess. Um, and there's going to be a puzzle. Oh, so they say, I mean, that's, that's all the Dragon Age puzzles suck there. I said it. They're all terrible. No, uh, not, not the one in, uh. Not the one in Shalestown. That thing was cool. Oh God. No, you gotta, you basically just sit there and fiddle with it until it works. Like, there was one in Awakening that involves runes, and I basically just clicked on stuff until it worked. For, like, 30 seconds, I just clicked on stuff. I'm, I'm sorry. I love you, Bioware. You guys are great with characterization. You guys are decent with combat, uh, verging on great. But, God, when it comes to puzzles, you guys are terrible. Like, the, I'm sorry. The puzzles in Dragon Age are awful. They're just Bald- awful. Baldur's Gate 2 had awesome puzzles. I don't know because I didn't play, but the, these puzzles were just... <gasps> it's its not... It, uh, uh, I'll play Baldur's Gate 2, but they, these puzzles are just click it until it works. Like, yeah, and so that, that's, that's in most DLC. Games. That's, that's that. Um, yeah, it, so I mean, they're calling it, quote-unquote, an advanced challenge for even the most experienced players. So, you know... And the, only thing, harder. and the only thing in Dragon Age that can ever cause a problem is a mage. So there's just going to be mages everywhere. Uh, yep. Anyway, so then last two last two stories. Uh, Radiant Historia is announced um, mm-hmm. in Japan. So it's a DS RPG. Um, it's being made by a bunch of the, the people who made uh, Radiata stories. Um, and Mitsuru Hirano who worked on uh, some of the Shin Megami Tensei games, is directing it. Uh, and uh, Yoko Shimomura is doing the score. I have uh, become interested. Yeah, yeah that, apparently that it's, me it's, up. Apparently it's based on, like, the, the notion of the game is based around time travel. So you have, you know, your, oh, your, main, again. <laughs> your main character, and you, you know, you go through your story, and then you get to go and look at the the events in uh, through other characters' perspectives. Um and one of the examples that they give is you're going to be one of the parts of the games is looking at the the, the point of view of the the main villains, um, you know, story. So uh, it you know it should be an interesting. I mean, there's not a whole lot of details right now. It's supposed to be pretty traditional according to 
the Famitsu article, but um, I suppose we'll hear more about that eventually. I look forward to um, the sequel where we kill off every main character and blame everything on the new character. Hey, don't be hating on Chrono Cross because it may appear in somebody's top I, RPGs of the decade list. I was not. I, I love Chrono Cross. Don't get me wrong. I love that game. I, that was that was just me saying, you know, being cynical about the time travel thing. I love Chrono Cross. I'm way to give it away. Give sure. what away? I didn't say it was on there. I didn't say it was on my list. Chrono no. Cross came out 10 years ago. We don't have to worry about spoilers. Yeah, if, we I, spoil, uh, if we spoiled Star Ocean 3, then... Some people know. don't know who Lynx is. It's important. Oh, see, now that's even more of a spoiler. We were being vague before. He's a it's giant like saying, Hey, panther. by the way, the last boss is... I'm not going to say it. We'll cut off his mic before right. he says anything. Finally, the last news story. Uh, Three Tales games. They're oh, new, kind man. of. One of one of them is a port of Tales of Graces to the PS3, so maybe it won't be super terribly buggy and look prettier. Yeah, we'll never see it in the United States. Thanks, Namco. That, that too. Um, then there's a entirely new untitled Tales game that has been announced. Um, Tales and, of Murder. Yeah, which I, I will enjoy not playing in English ever. Uh, yeah, and so that's also going to be on PS3. And then um, Tales of the World Radiant Mythology 3 has been announced for PSP. Um, and it'll be coming out in 2011 in Japan sometime. So. When, did the, when did the Tales series start? Because it feels like I looked one way for a couple of years and I was like playing other games. And then I came back and there were 37 Tales games. And I was like, Tales of Fantasia for the Super Tales of Fantasia. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that was the start. But like, when did Namco decide that they were going to start turning them out like a puppy mill? Right after Symphonia. What, two for the PS1? Okay. There was Tales of Destiny and Tales of Eternia. I guess I missed it. I guess I missed it. Yeah, it was this last generation. Okay, I I was playing Final Fantasies and whatnot, but I guess it it just, like, the Tales games snuck up on me. Here's the thing. Like, there honestly aren't that many of them in North America. Like, there are a buttload in Japan. Like, I've got an import copy of Tales of the Tempest, which, by the way, is awful. Awful. Um, Yeah. Um, Awful. Yeah, awful. Like, we, we don't even, like, I... Namco Bandai, if you're going to localize these types of games, choose better or localize yeah, don't, them all. For example, we got Tales of Legendia, not Tales of Rebirth. Yeah. What happened there? We didn't we got to, we got the original Tales of Destiny for PS1, but we didn't get Tales of Destiny 2. Likely because the the brilliant minds at Namco, when they localized Tales of Eternia, localized that as Tales of Destiny 2. The reason they did that was because Tales of Eternia was copyrighted because of um, He-Man. I think it was He-Man. Oh, that, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, so they called God. it Destiny 2 instead of Eternia, and I was like, I, I think He-Man is I have the power, so uh, yeah. And many faces you will guard over here because you have many faces. <laughs> Sorry, that was before your time, Zach. There was this show called... It was. There, there was I, I'm aware. <laughs> I'm aware there's also a show called Thundercats. I remember seeing, like, an episode of that when Do I was... Do you lie like, in No, wait, 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 wait. Do you remember Silverhawks? No. Oh, that, wait, wait, wait. Is that, that the one that's, like... That was, like, the uh, the, the stupid... Is that step- Tachinoko? No. No, yeah. that you're thinking Gotcha Man. Yeah. You're thinking oh, Gotcha wow. Man, which was uh, originally the, artwork done, and, the original and... artwork done by uh, Yoshitaka Amano. So there you go. We have come full circle back to RPGs. I remember Voltron and, and Transformers Beast Wars. and yeah, that, Beast Wars was awesome. Beast Wars was 
awesome. That was such a great. Remember when Optimus Prime died? Spoilers. That was that was awesome. <laughs> okay, we've gone hey. so Beast Wars not an RPG. <laughs> but there was there was a horrible PlayStation One game though. There was. Okay. There was a really bad PlayStation One game. All right. Beast Wars came on right after Digimon. That was awesome. Dude, Digimon. 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 <laughs> Digimon so, are the champions. I, I do want to say one last thing before we end. And are that we going to bring up big, big bad Beagleborgs? No. <laughs> I watched no. that. I, no. VR Troopers? I, yep. I'm going to say that I'm currently playing the beta for an MMO that I'm under NDA for. And it's fantastic. <gasps> and it's not the MMO you think it is. I can't even talk about it yet. Is it the StarCraft MMO? Yes. Can you, t- can you tell us what company it is? Uh, no, because that would give it away. Is it the Dragon Ball MMO? Is it the Dragon Ball MMO? Yeah, I, I can't, look, I, I am actually You can't under, bring this up and then expect I, I, it's not I am pester. under an NDA. I, like, I can't so, say so anything. Can we ask you if it's so been is, announced? What if you told us and then we cut it out of the podcast? Is this oh, the MMO of Cool Runnings? <laughs> oh, <laughs> totally okay. so, See, that, that's the death prompt in that game is, is, uh, when you die, as opposed to the World of Warcraft, resurrect now, yes, no. It says, Sanka, you dead man? And you press yes or no. <laughs> you, can in, you can type in Jaman. <laughs> and now I'm sad because John Candy's dead. Oh, very sad. Okay, I think we should wrap this up, guys. I don't want to get uh, John in any trouble. So uh, everybody have a good time this week. Yay. Yay. So, so what are we all yeah. gonna do after this show? Play Starcraft. <laughs> We're all gonna Starcraft. play Starcraft. <laughs> We're all gonna play Starcraft. So sorry, sorry to all the listeners that we got off on a tangent there, but it, it is kind of the biggest game of the year. So you have to, you know. Yeah, and I mean, you guys are probably playing it too, so don't hate on us. Yeah, don't hate on us. Yeah, go go play Starcraft. So you know, someone's gonna be like, I don't play Starcraft because those games are stupid. I play Tales of Vesperia. Vesperia is cool though. I'm okay. not saying it's yeah. not bad, but Starcraft is kind of. All I know is when Diablo 3 comes out, we are going to have a hell of a podcast talking about how I no longer have a life. I think when the Diablo 3 comes out, Steven and I are going to need to go into rehab. I'm going to like, I'm going they to may as well just job. shut down RPG fan. Yeah, I'm going to lose my job, uh, most likely. Like the, I'm just going to uh, become an invalid and, you know, some kind of troglodyte and just sit there and play the game all day. So With that'll be awesome. I can do over 2000 damage. That'll be, that'll, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Okay, well, if I if I put one more skill point in, I get another skeleton, and that skeleton because I God, it begins. Now I want to play Diablo two. This is this is awesome. This is awesome. All right. Okay. Oh, John just told us what the uh, what it is. Okay. Now we all know and nobody else does. That's awesome. All right. I'm going to end the podcast now. So for John, Stephen, Zach, and myself, thank you very much for listening and listen to us next week. <laughs>